everyone. I am Alex Majorana. And I'm Sydney Lynch. And this is Little Known Tracks. This week, we talk to Alex Wash of Philly-based melodramatic rock and roll band Grand Dogs. It hasn't come yet, but we're looking forward to the day he makes a Sudoku puzzle for us to try and be bad at. Starting piano at a young age led him into music and eventually into the dueling piano seat in Texas and back to Philadelphia. During lockdown, he started writing again, producing The House of Empty, Grand Dog's first studio album. The band is currently eight months pregnant with their second album full of musical jump scares and obscure instrumentation. Without further ado, Alicia by Grand Dogs. Strung up lights, decorate the porch, shine away, stumbling back home. Alicia, you have been so good to me. Alicia, you have been so good to me. Cold, clean glass, water from the sink, you hold my hair as I'm vomiting. Alicia, you so good to me, Alicia, you have been so good to me. So sway as the big bow breaks, little darling, here we lie awake, little darling. Oh, 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 oh. it's the easiest life. 
Alex Wash of Grand Dogs. Thank you so much for being on with us tonight. Thank you so much for having us, Alex. I think the first thing that we wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, was you said you're into some real old man shit. Uh, <laughs> so Sudoku and crosswords and football. And I know football is a little bit like different old man shit. But tell us a little bit about uh, like the like the puzzles, I suppose, that you do and kind of how you got interested in them. I don't know. Like, uh, I, uh, I got the, the New York Times crossword puzzle app, you know, and it's just such a great time suck. It's like when you want to, like, uh, check out from being, you know, from, like, human existence for a little while, you know, you can just kind of do a crossword puzzle or Sudoku or whatever, feel smart and be occupied. Now, does that also include the New York Times connections and Wordle and Wordle and all the the other little all the other all the other little <laughs> yeah. games? So when it started out, it was just a crossword, and like I think Spelling Bee came. It's it like, look, there's a lot, there's a lot of games, and like, it's not like Sudoku specifically kind of like ruins my life a little bit. Like I can't go to bed unless the medium and the hard puzzle is done, you know? And so sometimes it's like 3.30 in the morning and I'm like, like, come on, <laughs> let me work this out. I simply have never been a, uh, a numbers person in general. So Sudoku has always been very far out of my eyes. So I'm like, how do you make Sudoku more difficult? How how can you make it more difficult? Yeah, like how does that work? Is it just like a, a is it more squares? I think it's probably um just like the arrangements of the numbers. I think about that sometimes too. I'm like, what makes the medium harder than or like easier than the hard? I think maybe they start out with more numbers um in a medium. So like more of the squares are already filled in. Got it. Um yeah. And like I don't know, like, I was talking to, a, a, I work at a piano bar, and one of the other players says that he makes Sudoku puzzles sometimes, and I guess, like, you, some don't work. Like, you have to make it work. Like, there's not a certain, like, I don't know. So, that's, that's pretty wild. I feel like you have to fill in the whole board first, and then just erase numbers and give it to someone, and that's how you make a Sudoku puzzle. I feel like that would be the only way to make it, right? So you know that it fully works? Yeah, but like, <laughs> it would have to work, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was kind of breaking my brain a little bit to think how you construct one. Well, you know what? You take a little bit of time on that. Uh, you can get back to us when you've finished yours uh, and like workshopped <laughs> it a little bit. You could send it over to us and we will not do it, but we'll share it with everyone else. We'll, we'll try. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope it doesn't get, like, I hope it doesn't come to that, you know? <laughs> I hope I don't, like, I, I'm hoping to come out of this whole, like, puzzle, you know, and football podcast phase in my life and, like, go on a walk in, in nature or something or, like, read a book or something. That would be nice. But right now, it's all just, like, mind-numbing. Activity. How long has this been going on? Like the puzzles and ah. such. Ah, I'm not sure. 
I think it must have been like, um, I would say pre-pandemic maybe, maybe like right before the pandemic hit. What a time um, to get into I'm puzzles, gonna be, man. I'm going to be so honest with you. I feel like four, three to four years is not like a phase. Like this is just who you are. <laughs> this is my. If identity. you can't go to bed without doing the <laughs> the medium and hard puzzle, this is part of your daily routine. I guess so. I mean, I was gonna say that's unfortunate, but if you enjoy it, I suppose you know all the all the power to you for enjoying Sudoku. You said football podcasts, so not football, <laughs> just the podcasts. Oh no no no! Like I, I'm a, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Thank and, God. Uh, <laughs> and, like this, this past week, I, I kind of missed the game. Like I was kind of like generally aware of what was going on in the game, but I was like, uh, I was on the train up to New York City, so I've just been kind of digesting any Eagles podcast all day, every day, just catching up on how it went and conversely if the eagles lose i'm probably going to delete all my podcasts and just kind of like you know actually live my life for for a week that's uh, no fun <laughs> yeah hey, like, I'm listen just, I'm if you're so here you suffer you suffer too okay <laughs> um so what are those podcasts that you're listening to are you a uh, new heights kind of guy uh, uh, you know, I just, um, in the, in the spirit of being a, a sore football loser, uh, I just subscribed to the new Heights podcast, re resubscribed after the, after the Super Bowl, I unsubscribed, deleted everything, you know, and just, so. you know, I just became a, like a monk for six months or whatever until the season started up again and. And then, uh, you know, the, the birds are doing good this year. So uh, I was like, you know what? I think I'm emotionally healed enough to resubscribe in the new height pod. And the win over Kansas City helped a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Now, is, is football something that you've been doing, like, or interested in, I suppose, for a long time also? Or is that also, like right around pre-pandemic kind of newer uh nah i've been like a you know an eagle fan since i was a little kid yeah pretty much like uh i was really into the phillies um i had i'm, I'm old enough that i remember the 93 world series and the joe, joe carter home run and like the heartbreak and stuff i remember just weeping in my living room <laughs> um uh, and then after that, I think like the next year was a baseball strike. So I kind of just, I, I kind of switched over to football at that time. And, um, you know, I think really the Donovan McNabb years um, got me fully invested. Uh, we used to go over to my, uh, like, you know, we'd go over and watch Eagles games at my Uncle Jeff's house. And Uncle Jeff was like, he's like very loud, very emotional. So it was like a, it was an experience. It was an event. You go to the game to watch, the, or you go to Uncle Jeff, you watch the birds, but you also watch Uncle Jeff. Like I, I vivid uh, memories of, uh, so Irving Fryer was on the Eagles for a while back in the 90s. And um, he like, like, it was like a late game situation. They're like trying to go like tied up a field goal or something. And he just drops a, an easy pass and 
Irving Fryer, I, I think, was like a, uh, like a, a minister, like a Christian minister. And my uncle just stands up and says, Jesus wanted you to cut that and you didn't. Listen, sounds like Uncle Jeff had a point. Yeah, I mean, it's one of my uh, my formative football memories. That is a good one to have. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So something else I assume you've been doing for quite some time is piano. Uh, You know a lot of songs. Uh, You work as a dueling piano pianist so tell us a little bit about how you got into that position and kind of where the piano started for you okay uh, well i've been playing piano since i was a little kid um i was uh we had a piano in my house uh we moved there when we when i was one and so there was always a piano my older brother and sister uh they took lessons and it didn't really take uh my brother had a friend named colin de garbo colin de garbo and he played, and he was really good. And um, so I told my mom, I want to take lessons from whatever, wherever he uh, takes lessons. And um, it was uh, Cindy Wittenberg, who's a uh, Suzuki teacher, Suzuki Method. Are you familiar with Suzuki Method? Suzuki Method, um, so the ideally, the ideal Suzuki kid starts when they're like two years old. Um, and the idea is that you're taught music um, in a similar way uh, where you would learn a language. So um, instead of like sheet music and be like, this is middle C uh, and like learning off the page, you learn by, by rote. Like you, um, you listen to like Suzuki cassette tapes and um, I, my, I would go to bed to Suzuki book one tapes every night and um first song in the book is twinkle twinkle little star so it's a, a song that like most people have heard and are familiar with and then your teacher just kind of shows you how to play that and then shows you some kind of like rhythmic variations on that and then um and then you learn all the other pieces from ear as well and uh and then gradually they kind of loop in reading music and stuff and music theory and uh, all that. But in the beginning, it's, uh, it's all just, yeah, play it like this, you know? And uh, it, it's cool because it, it's kind of like a shorter, a shorter distance to the final product, I think. And um, also it, um, it improves your ear. It allows you to, you know, your oral skills to uh, you hear something and then you can play it on your instrument, which is really helpful for, you know, years and years, decades later for songwriting and for uh, the doing piano job is awesome. Cause you know, uh, you have a good ear, you can kind of just absorb songs from the radio or from your, from other people on, on the piano team and stuff. So yeah, that's, I guess that's my upbringing uh, in Suzuki uh or in piano and um okay so i like i went to college for uh, music business music business and technology which is kind of like uh um it was like a music performance degree for donors kind of you know like <laughs> it's like the uh, less music lessons less theory requirements and stuff and then uh you know music business classes and uh i 
you know, recording classes and stuff. Uh, so after that, I was, uh, I had a band at the time that I thought was like gonna make it and stuff. And we were, we were like touring and uh, doing well, uh, like making money on tours and stuff. And then that kind of fell apart right, right after I graduated. So I was like a bit um, idle for a while, you know, I was like my, I had put in, I, I had put all of the eggs into that basket. Um, so after I kind of like figured out what I wanted to do next, I ended up uh, moving to Texas and uh, I had done a little bit of uh, work um, booking tours for a band called uh, We Leave at Midnight in Texas. And, um, and I had, I played with them on one of those tours. The one tour I just kind of like tour managed, and then the next one I was a keyboard player. And uh, uh, kind of the combination of that, and also there's a guy named Gordon Raphael. He produced uh, "Is This It" by The Strokes, "Room on Fire" by The Strokes, and Soviet Kitsch. I think are like his big, you know, his big records. So I did kind of like intern work for him as well. I just kind of like shot an email and was like, hey, you want me to like send emails for you? Um, so it, it just seemed like a good direction to move. So I moved to Texas. Um, and then when I was down there, um, trying to figure out actually what to do for money, you know, instead of <laughs> playing in a rock band and uh, sending emails for, uh, for a music producer, uh, I taught, I, like I taught some lessons here and there. Uh, and then I auditioned at uh, How of the Moon, which is like a kind of like a piano bar chain. And um, I, was, I was like, I guess I'll fire off an email and just see like, maybe I can fake my way into this job. Like, I don't know, I, like I know like three Elton John songs, maybe like a Billy Joel song. Uh, like they're not gonna hire me or anything, but like, so, so I uh, went in for an audition and played my whatever three songs that I had prepared. And then also uh, they have like a, a full band uh, component of it. And uh, like, I can, like I'm like a pretty solid drummer and uh, perfectly functional guitarist and bassist. So I was like, oh, like shit, I might actually, you know, this, this might actually kind of work out. Um, so I like played backline all night and they're like, oh, you're like a competent backline player. Like, normally people come in, they audition, they know one song and we have to teach them how to play drums and bass. So I was actually kind of like, it was actually kind of like a perfect job for me. So I'm, I'm still working uh, for Howl of the Moon here in Philadelphia. They, we, we opened up here in 2013 and I've been, uh, been here uh, ever since. I didn't realize how the moon was open that long. I didn't realize how the moon was in more than just Philly. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's like uh, there's like maybe ten, I think, around the country right now. Oh wow, who knew? Mm-hmm. Not us. There's like there's cruise ships where there's like a how the moon show. Huh. Yeah. Glad you glad you found your way into that, and glad you found your way back to Philly. Um, tell us a little bit about um grand dogs then because like i feel like you have this 
big backlog of piano and like other musical instruments that you've kind of taken apart a little bit and after you graduated what was the what was the process for you and like how did you come to start this new band uh since i moved in texas or moved to texas i like you know like i, I got married down there i've I, like i've got a kid and stuff so i was kind of just in piano bar world for a while uh you know just paying the bills and stuff and um i'm sure this is a conversation you have a lot on the pod uh, in in pandemic lockdown, you know, everyone got a little little bit of breathing room and stuff. And um, so I started writing again then. And, um, you know, it was like two years essentially of being inside. So, and we, with absolutely no pressure to show anybody anything. So um, without um, really like trying very hard these songs kind of like accumulated so when uh pandemic uh when like the, the lockdown lifted i got a call from uh the president of the company uh Halliburton, brad he gave me a call and was like hey we're gonna open up in texas again and we'd like you to go down and like kind of like get the you know get the plane in the air and um so that was cool. I just had my first vaccine shot. I was like, all right, <laughs> let's roll the dice. Um, and uh, so I went down there uh, and I have friends down there. One of my friends, Ryan, is a recording engineer um, and he has a, like a relationship with a studio. And so I was like, let's just, let's put a band together and record some stuff. And um, so that's, uh, um, the House of Empty. That's like the first record. And then, um, so kind of like a recording project thing. And then when I moved back to Philly, uh, like my kids uh, 14 now and stuff. So I don't, you know, I can, I don't have to, you know, like she can do a lot of stuff for her herself now. So there's a little more like freedom. So I was like, why, why don't I get a live band together? And um, so I got in touch with KT. Um, through uh, my, my cousin, uh, you know, I was just kind of like asking, like, who, like, are there some young kids, you know, that do music good? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I got in touch with KT, um, uh, got in touch with Randy uh, over the internet, just um, kind of was a fan of their work. And, um, you know, and then one day I, I was talking to KT, I'm like, would it be cool? Would you, would it be okay? If we have like another singer, like three singers, like is that all right? If you was like, yeah, sure. And I think that kind of like, like it really worked out well. Like kind of like the the way everybody works together and the way we kind of split lead singing duties and stuff. And it's so nice to be like definitely the worst singer in in my band. <laughs> like <laughs> like Randy and JP are gods. It's amazing. Uh, and, um, like, we just have a really good, uh, I think, like, understanding of harmonies and how, like, like, ideas of, like, how to make things cool, and, um, so, yeah, very long-winded answer to your question. So we're That's why friends. we're here. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to 
smile and nod. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, I, I think like, I agree. You guys do a lot of very interesting stuff, especially vocally. Uh, so that definitely worked out. And I think that is continuing to work in your favor. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the House of Empty and like the writing process for you. Obviously, you said you were in lockdown, but was there any particular themes or things that you were focused on when you were writing it? Uh, let me think. I mean, who knows where stuff comes from? Um, I think I think when I write, um, like voice memos are kind of a, a big thing. Like that, I think that's a that's something that is like I've had a lot of great ideas that probably I forgot over the years, but now, and but now I just have a million voice memos of like, you know, me like <laughs> just groaning a melody <laughs> into my phone. Um, it's like you know when you kind of you just like get a melody stuck in your head. And then if you can capture it and then kind of develop it, like what is this, what words are on this melody and stuff. Um, I think how it ends up, um, I feel like I'm writing a lot of like voyeuristic fiction, kind of. Um, uh, like, you know, what if this was the situation? You know, like, like, um, I don't think the lyric made it made it into the song, but uh, the song "The Terror," um, the idea. Uh, someone said something about how like the Irish think it's good luck if it rains um, on on a funeral, like for a funeral, um, because the the ground is easier to dig or whatever. And so I think the the song initially um, started with something about how. It, it felt like good luck it rains for your funeral or whatever. Um, and then it's the idea of kind of like a secret and stuff and like how you'll, you'll never really know all the facts about like, you know, your life and stuff and all the ins and outs, who lied to you and what secrets they kept. I don't know. I think that's kind of how it ended out. I just, um, and the, the, thing, the thing that I'm after is I want the songs to kind of be terrifying and scary in some way, you know? Like, I want it to feel like a horror movie, even if it's, even if you're singing about your cat or whatever. Listen, cats can be horrifying. Yeah, they really can. Now, was that always the intention when you started, after the this break from writing, when you started writing again uh, in lockdown, to have that kind of horror theme you know, play forward in this album, or was it just you were writing to writing and writing to write, and that's kind of how it fell all fell into place. I think uh, I think I'm definitely definitely writing to write, but I think you also write to like what you enjoy, you know, what what inspires you. Like, um, and when I say horror, I don't necessarily mean like horror movie. Like, I mean, I just mean like jump scares in like musical jump scares and i want i want songs that carry a certain weight and um like emotion you know like heaviness like i'm not a 
very understated writer, I feel like. Um, I want things to be bold and and visceral and stuff. Um, like uh, when I was a, a kid, I had the movie or the the CD um, "No Gods, No Managers," like choking victim. Are you you guys familiar with that band? Mm-mm. It's like um, I'm not. How about like Epitaph Records or Hellcat Records or anything mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Okay. Um. So they used to do these compilations. Um called like Give Me the Boot or Punkorama or whatever. And so like there was a couple children victim songs on I think Give Him the Boot comp- compilation. And um it's just kind of like really like guttural voice ska punk kind of. So I got the record and the record has like pentagrams on the on the front and stuff and it feels like scary already. And there's songs about like um you know, the songs are just, like, heavy and, like, about, like, suicide and, like, you know, society. <laughs> and it just felt like, it felt like a dangerous item. Um, and I think my parents found it and threw it out. Like, that kind of thing. And then years later, uh, when I heard Bright Eyes for the first time, kind of, like, the same, the same thing. Like, I would be, like, listening to Bright Eyes in my room and being, like, I felt like I was doing something wrong. You know, like, like this scary, like, private thing because it's just so raw and emotional and stuff and i think that's what i want to tap into i want to make i want to make people feel like they have they they have like a scary thing that they're enjoying i feel like that is such an interesting uh like point to try to get across with music uh that is so cool i'm so here for it so on that kind of vibe and tone and theme sort of that you're trying to get across with your music, is there anything in particular that you're working on now? Anything that you're sort of experimenting with to maybe try to push that a little bit further? Um, well, okay, well, the new record, we are like eight months pregnant with the new record right now. And... Uh, we're very excited. Like our so our last thing that we put out, we did like a little live video session um, with the guys from the band uh, Pine Baron. You know Pine Baron? Yeah, great, great band. Uh, we with um with Alex Casey, we we um we did a live session, and that was the first recorded material that like me, Casey, and Randy and Drew and stuff were on. So. I was like, let's just put it out. You know, let's just put out um, it on the streamers so somebody has, like, so people have stuff they can listen to and hear the actual band Grand Dog. Um, uh, over the last year and a half-ish, we've been kind of like accumulating songs. We've been re- recording with um, uh, this guy, Tom Spiker, at a place called Undercarriage Studios. And uh, we've... Uh, a, accumulating material and we're finally to the point where we have 11 tracks and um we did kind of like some guerrilla recording uh at an unnamed studio uh in jersey and uh there's like we got like a b3 organ on it and grand piano and um it's it's really good (laughs) really excited (laughs) to show people um I was at uh, the the Fergie's anniversary party last night, 
hanging out with my friend Alex, and we were just discussing how hard it is to not show people the like the recorded material <laughs> working on. It's like you've got to instead of showing people, you got to you want to promote it so <laughs> so people get excited to hear the new thing. And it's just really hard to do. So yeah, we're maybe like, I, I think uh, we just got to do one more recording session and kind of hit our punch list of all the stuff. You know, let's let's stick that that bass note or let's um, redub that, uh, that group harmony or something. Or, you know, there needs to be a vibra slap in this song, <laughs> this moment, whatever. And then we're mixing, we're mastering, and really excited. Uh, some of the material from the live, or I guess all four songs from the live EP will be on, you know, glossy studio versions of those tunes, plus uh, seven others. And it's it's severe. It'll ruin your day, for sure. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> <laughs> You'll 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 be weeping in CVS. <laughs> weeping in CVS would ruin my day, yeah, but weeping in CVS sounds like a band. You're yeah. right for that. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> anyway, um, so we've talked a little bit about the themes of the last album and you wanting these musical jump scares. Is uh-huh. that something that is following to the album that you're working on now, or are is there a different? vibe that you've been working on sonically that will be showcased in this album it does kind of feel a bit like we're just recording the songs that we have but um you know like you know what i mean like you're like we want to document the music that we play (laughs) um but i I guess there is kind of like a a theme um kind of like yearning you know it's a big word right now yeah well i think that's i mean I think uh, pandemic had a lot of people yearning and stuff. Like, um, kind of the like, uh, all you hold dear is, is one of the, the songs on the the um, the live will be on the record. And I think kind of the the genesis, the lyrics to that is kind of like um, like a I don't know, like a horny Facebook mom like emailing her. Uh, high school sweetheart or something you know and just just to feel something you know everybody's friends with at least one of those people <laughs> what a drunk facebook mom yeah yeah they're out there sometimes it's your mom <laughs> sometimes it is your mom it could be my i i, I could i can't speak on that but it, it might be <laughs> no one would out their mom like <laughs> no, no one would. No one. Would. <laughs> oh man, uh, no, that's super exciting. Definitely looking forward to uh, getting to hear uh, the the album when it comes out. Um, we know you're also looking forward to playing uh, another show in Lancaster. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, and maybe like some of your live performances so far outside of the recorded EP. Okay. Um, well, the show Lancaster, it's at this cool new place. I haven't been there yet, but I've seen lots of pictures. Uh, it's called West Art Lancaster, and it's in a, like, a church, like, sanctuary. So very big room, tall ceilings. It's gorgeous. 
really excited to be a part of that. We, um, Katie and I are from Lancaster County. We're from Lidditch, PA. So um, it's kind of like a homecoming show for us. Like I was in Lancaster for years. I was in school in Millersville. I got family. I got representation. You know, it'll be, so we're really, really looking forward to that one. It's going to going to be a great gig. Uh, Quiet Riders, awesome Lancaster band. Um, recently, find any of the new material with that one? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We, um, yeah, there's going to be, I, I think we might just play the new record, you know, like all the track list from the new record, I think. Um, looking forward to that. Randy might be playing keys a little bit. So we're trying to like expand the sonic palette. Randy just kind of when Randy like plays guitar bass keys and like writes tunes and stuff. Great recording artist as well. Um, so like let's utilize some of that stuff and make you know make the live show more complete. No, that's super exciting though that you guys are getting to play a home a home show. Um, that you're kind of mixing it up a little bit. I feel like that experimentation is going to say a lot for the music going forward. Um, yeah. Out, outside of, I guess, um, just your, uh, what was it? Suzuki training, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are, what are maybe some of your musical inspirations? Um, well, uh, you know, growing up, I was just like, a I guess, so, like, the first musical touchstones I had, we, uh, my parents had, like, a cassette tape that was, um, like, some Beatles songs, some Billy Joel songs, I think there was, like, a Cat Stevens on there, and it was just, like, one of five cassette tapes we had. Um, one of the other cassette tapes uh, was Civil War songs. Um, so, I don't like, like, when Johnny comes marching home, you know, like, sure. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was sessioning those two cassettes an awful lot. Um, I also learned, uh, like, my piano teacher was uh, showed me ragtime piano. But, like, I played a lot of the Scott Joplin stuff. So that's just kind of, like, in the fingers and the bones a little bit. So sometimes it gets a little, like, ragtime-y. Um, punk rock, anthemic punk rock, your, your bad religions, your AFIs, rancid. All that stuff in there. Um, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. We had the Jesus Christ Superstar cassette tape too. Um, I feel like you hear that too. What a wild like, I was assortment say, what an of eclectic, cassettes. Yeah, <laughs> like the cassettes in particular. What a what an interesting array. Yeah, like it's a, a weird hodgepodge, but like it, I feel like it kind of like makes sense to me, but uh. Also, it was, like, the limiting factor that, like, these were the things I had and I didn't have other things. Um, so I just got really familiar with that stuff. Um, even today, I feel like I don't have, like, a, a very wide record collection or, or anything. I kind of just, like, listen to my old trustees and, like, um, you know, I might get on to some new stuff, but I'm not, like, the person that's out there finding new music and, like, you know bless bless you if you are the, that person out there that's like finding the new records and stuff and crate digging and all that um like i have a friend named anthony sanders um 
I played with in the band in, in Texas. And he's like always on Instagram Live, just like playing records and like talking eloquently about, you know, the new Desperate release or whatever. <laughs> um, and I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. But like, and like, I'm glad that you are. <laughs> um, I'm glad someone is. Yeah. Because otherwise, I would like, you know, people like me ever discover <laughs> great to hear that you have such a an eclectic palette despite the limiting factor yeah um again excited to hear the new album when that comes out is there any kind of rough timeline that we can expect to hear it maybe summer fall of next year i'm i'm thinking we'll probably be releasing singles i'm hoping by like I mean, like, my most optimistic would be January. Um, my most pessimistic would be um, February. That's very That's soon. Very yeah. We're going to be hearing new music very soon. <laughs> yeah, like, I got I to gotta get on, like, we need to get our shit together a little bit. Yeah, um, let them know. Who doesn't? Let them know. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah, uh, but, like, uh, we've got art and got um, the tractor pretty much done i i don't know how much like this is gonna be the first record that i've ever met by like actually paying people and not like not just <laughs> relying on my friends you know so i don't know what the timeline's like and stuff uh and i should probably like read two or three internet articles on like how to appropriately promote your release you know for I, I don't know how much effect that has, but I'm sure it has a non-zero effect um, yeah. on how well your thing does. So, you know, yeah, I should do that. That's and, and that, I think one of those three articles will tell me how much time I need to allot for all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, you got time. All right. Mm-hmm. Time so we're looking, we're looking at two Early. to eight months, depending on what your articles say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, that's super exciting regardless. Hopefully we get to hear that, uh, sooner rather than later. Sydney, did you have any other questions? So where can we find and follow you guys online and listen to all of your music? Okay. Um, so we, me being 1000 years old, I'm not good at all the things. So all of our stuff is on Instagram, granddog underscore music, granddogs underscore music. Um, that. You know, or we got the link in the bio that will lead you to all the streaming stuff. Uh, we have a TikTok, which we don't update a ton, but Randy updates it sometimes. And um, what else? Yeah, yeah, you can get tickets to the Lancaster show and stuff. And um, yeah, drop into our DM, say what's up, you know, like our first stream on music. Beautiful. Perfect. <laughs> Once again. Alex Wash of Grand Dogs. Thank you so much for being on with us today. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And uh, swing by uh, Howl at the Moon anytime. Like, just drop me a line. Let me know you're coming. You won't wait in the line. I'll buy you a beer. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Little Known Tracks. If you or a loved one want to be featured, send us an email at littleknowntrackspodcast at gmail.com. 
Also, feel free to follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at LKTPod for more information about the podcast when episodes come out and occasionally giveaways and things of that nature. Thank you again for listening. See you next week. Thank you.